Well, I'll cut it Facebook short. Facebook has notified me that we're live. <laughs> Good afternoon, Mr. Brad Williams. Afternoon, man. How are you? I'm great. So if you're listening, you're listening to the Stain and Seal Experts podcast. So it's so much more than stain, though. So I'm here today with Brad Williams over in, you're still in North Carolina, right? I am still in North Carolina, Good still in the country. I like it. Me too. So many of you probably know Brad. He used to be on the internet all the time, almost every day, <laughs> podcasting. And he, he slowed down the podcast a little bit. So when I hadn't heard from him and I thought, Brad, we got to get you on. I gave you a hard time the other day and I said, hey, let's do a podcast. So I appreciate you coming. But Absolutely, the word on the man. street is that you're writing a book. I am. I am. I dove in the deep end and decided to take the plunge. It'd been a a bucket list thing for a long time for me. And I just kind of had a moment where the subject matter kind of came together and I was like, okay, this is the time. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. So you gave me three points the other day that the book was about. And in this, for those that don't know, this is about marketing your business. So what are those, what are those three points that this, this idea, this triangular idea goes around? Well, to paraphrase what you just said, Caleb, I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback on that. You said, you know, this is a podcast about stain, but it's about so much more. The book is about uh, so much more than marketing. And um, we really dial in on this strategic concept of focusing on clients, content, and community. I think that was the three three things you were referring to. Um, but it goes so much more like both globally in view and then also kind of diving deeper than that. But I do think that's kind of the heartbeat of the whole message is, is clients, content, and community. Nice. So, so how, where, where do we begin? Where do we begin? Cause I think, I know, I know you're probably geared generally, I, I know you're geared towards bigger businesses than probably what most of the audience is that's listening today. But if, if you had to kind of give them a deep dive or not a deep dive, a 30,000 foot view, a shallow dive of what's going on, what's going into this book and what, what's the, the idea that you think will help uh, the average guy who's staining, which is probably um, average business under a half million dollars, probably. What? Where do you begin? You know, I've I've kind of come to realize, and and you're you're a big reader and a and a deep thinker, and so I'd be interested in in your thoughts on this, but come to realize that the perspective, the frame that we have on everything is kind of everything, right? Like how, how we view any subject, any subject matter, um, you know, any, any part of our life, whether it is in our business or our personal life, that frame kind of like builds the rest of the reality. And it, it determines our, our thoughts, you know, our, our, our decisions, and then ultimately the outcomes. And so I think it really kind of goes back to framing. I mean, does that, does that make sense to you when I say that? It sounds like we're both listening to Layla Hormozy. <laughs> so, so she just had I do a catch a little bit of Layla actually I've grown to like Layla more than Alex but that's I, probably she, another topic I, I do too because she's more operational and that's where I'm weak uh, is in the operational side of things so I like to listen to her but but what she I think said, she's more humble yeah what she said was similar to what you just said was about you can't um, you can't be a billion dollar CEO until you become a billion dollar human and you can't become a million dollar CEO to your million dollar human and so I think a lot of the stuff holding a lot of entrepreneurs back that she she noted in her her view of the world was uh, 
was the the behaviors and decision making and the thinking process, the perspective of of those CEOs. So I think what you just said nailed it. And so that that bleeds over into marketing. You know, I think the I think about back to growing up. Uh, my parents were my my father's an entrepreneur. My mom is self employed. My father's a true entrepreneur. And growing up. I developed very clear frames, very clear viewpoints around what it meant to be in a business. And so when I followed in his footsteps and I kind of come from the construction background, you know, that was my early career. When I followed in those footsteps, I developed these beliefs, these, these frames, these points of view around how business worked, how marketing worked, how these different things were. And when things were great, I just assumed that was enough. And then when they weren't, I realized that my frame was missing. And so we carried around this, this perspective that, you know, marketing was kind of mysterious, right? It was, well, you know, if you do a really good job, you know, that should be enough. And when things were good, we always had more than enough work. And when they stopped, they weren't. And so as I went through like a journey and not diving into that story on this podcast, you know, as we develop the frame, I've kind of found that people's perspectives on marketing is what I think is holding them back. And I think intrinsically down deep, people actually know what matters. They actually already know what really matters, but they're not practicing it. They don't carry it over. They keep it over here in this part of their life or in this part of their business, not carrying it over. So for us, and I'll kind of just boil this down to, to a point because I'm talking extremely ethereally and I don't mean to, is that we've come to believe that if we focus on relationships, if we grow our connections, the way we operate our business can be above the trends that are going on out there. And when we get above the trends, especially in how we think about strategy and marketing and how we run our business, right? That's when the real breakthroughs and the insights come through. So that's the heart of the whole message is changing our frame to... What happens when we think about it relationally? What happens when we turn some of the assumptions we have around clients, around content, around community, around product, around marketing tactics, and we just kind of flip them and look at them from the other point of view? Is there gold in there? And so it's about asking different questions. Is there an example you might give of um, when you said that that view or that frame that they have in their mind about marketing or or community or, or any of those things, what, give me an example of that, something, because um, I think I understand what you mean, but I want to be sure. So I think when it comes to marketing, you know, the real common thing is we're always asking questions about what, what tactics should we be doing next? And we ask each other these questions, right? Like people, I see it in online communities and I see it, you know, in the content that's put out there, you know, should you be on TikTok? Like that might be a common thing. Like, are we using AI to write uh, blog content? Are we, you know, should I be, you know, putting my video on YouTube or should I be putting it on, on Instagram? Should I be, you know, how much money should I be spending on Google ads or should I be maybe focused on organic? And we ask these tactical questions around marketing, should we be more focused on kind of traditional advertising or should I be more digital? And that is the wrong frame to look at marketing. Those are the very, very last things that come to. And by the time you make that decision, if you're thinking about it from the other perspective, 
they, they become very clear. But when we start asking those questions, they just become like, well, I hear that TikTok's really popular now. It's really blowing up. So we probably need to get over there. You know, I think, I think my, the people that buy from me are starting to get on that. That's not how you should be making decisions. So it's like, it's the wrong point of view. It's that tactical up point of view. Makes sense. So what would you say is the correct way to be making that decision? Oh, I, I hesitate to say correct way. Um, I don't, I don't want anybody to think that I have the definitive approach on anything. Sure. sure. You know, I, what are we missing though? What what are we missing? I always hope that maybe we give an alternate point of view Okay. that maybe that will cost me. I was just reading some passages, um, today and it was talking about, you know, what, what questions are you asking? And I just want people to ask questions, to take a look from maybe if I don't keep thinking or talking the same way, what can I gain by asking a new question? And that means going back to the basics, right? So there's like, there's two pillars in marketing and this is going to seem super obvious, but I think they're getting ignored. And there's two big pillars, right? First one is who you serve, who you serve. And the second portion of that, the second pillar is what you solve. And so I think the first thing we need to reframe is how we think about those two things. You're muted. Are you suggesting that maybe people uh, or business owners, people in business, like do step number one and they try to go to step seven before taking two, three, four, five or? I think once you've been in business a while, or maybe even if you're very early in that journey, you start to take these things for granted. You know, it's who picks up the phone and calls me, you know, kind of becomes who we do business with, or this is kind of what we've always done, or they do what they've heard someone else do. You know, someone else offers such and such, and I heard they made some money on it, so I'm going to do that too, or whatever, right? We start to take these things, we either take them for granted or we make decisions on them that really aren't based in anything um, strategic, I think is the right word, is kind of that base problem. And you ask like, okay, smaller business owner, what problem are they facing? I think that's one that happens a lot. Take, assuming that those basics are covered, right? You know, if you, if I know you have a lot of contractors who follow this and they assume like, well, I, I do fences for homeowners in such and such city and you know we do this service and that service what what do you mean what what do i who do i serve and what do i solve i mean that's duh i stain stuff i build fences i do this right and that would be a huge huge missed opportunity you know if you were a doctor and you and you did heart transplants it would be very easy to separate yourself from oh i just do heart transplants too i save lives or i change lives or i change family trees very difficult for a, a guy who builds fence to think of it that way, isn't it? I think it is. Point. I think it is. And, you know, I, I come from this, like, you know, trades, blue collar type background, you know, and I, I actually, we had a home inspection business for several years and it was very easy in that. I mean, like, it's a regulated thing. Like, this is the service we have. We do, we, we do these things, right? We come in, we do the, the things in the standard of practice, right? That's what the state and our insurance company says we have to do. What do you mean? What do I do? And what does that mean? Like, well, I mean, hopefully we find a problem so you can negotiate. And so it does mean it's harder to dig deeper. So I'm going to, I'm going to give everybody kind of two ways to think about each of these things that will open up how you think about them. Okay. So traditionally 
if we were to hire a firm or we were to follow, you were to go look at like, how do I determine like, you know, the clients that we should be going after, right? Like who my client is, we would go through a process where we would analyze a bunch of data. And if we're a larger business that has a lot of customer history, we would feed all that data in there and we would kind of determine like, okay, you know, what do these numbers tell us? And at the end of the day, we'd kind of go start at the top and we'd work down to averages of, of what that looks like. And a typical name for that is building an avatar, build an avatar. So our typical client is such and so old. They live in this area. You know, they, they tend to make about this amount of money. They have this many pets and kids and, you know, whatever. Right. So we build this list of information and it can be very extensive. And we start top down. And I think that at the end of the day, the problem is, is that's not actually a real customer and they don't have anything really to say back to you. Right. The avatar can't talk. I don't know. I always think about the movie avatar, right? Like when the, when the person's brain left the avatar body, it was just like a body. Right. And that's kind of what the avatar is. It's just like this, it's like this thing that's not real. So my suggestion is, is to think about it in reverse. And that is to start at the ideal client level. So we say, who are my 10 best clients? And that could be the amount of money they spent. could have been the joy they were to work with. It could have been the referrals they gave to you. It, it could have been any number of factors that you value in doing business. Who are those 10 best? And then to start to ask questions like, how did we meet them? What was that process like? What did they buy? What did they say? And if you really want to get the value, you go talk to each of them individually. You interview them. You let them say in their words what they think. Now, the difference is when you do this, you get really specific points of view. Well, you know, working with you, you know what I really loved about working with you was you showed up 20 minutes early. You guys were so courteous with how you parked your trucks and did your equipment. You were so, I mean, you guys were so kind to my pet or you know, you were really careful with my house or, you know, you guys let me know about the process the whole time. I never wondered what you were going to do or how long you were going to be there, or what to expect. You made it to where I knew the whole time exactly what to expect. And you did what you said, whatever that is, you're going to find out what they value about you. Now, interestingly enough, you're probably going to hear similar things from the people that you like working with most, but either way, you're going to collect these specifics. And so now you're going to have these details that you can use, take, start small and you go the other way. And then you say, how do I extrapolate that out? Well, I didn't know that clients really liked the way that I told them about the process ahead of time. I didn't even know they, they really cared. It turns out that's the thing they value most. So now we're going to double down on that. We're going to go from being good at that to just being truly the best at setting expectations. You know, and so you kind of work through this process and you gain these insights. And I think that's valuable. And my favorite story to illustrate this is actually a huge business because I think it illustrates it better. So I don't know if you're familiar with um, how Sam Walton did did strategy, but they would gather every Saturday morning. He was famous for his Saturday morning executive meetings. And he would bring all the executives into the Bentonville office. And the whole philosophy was the sales associates had to work on Saturday morning. So the executives had to work on Saturday morning. It was only fair. And even once they were the largest retailer in the world, 
and global retailers will be doing the same thing, right? They'd be taking all the aggregate store data and they'd be trying to like, we crunch all these numbers, we have all this data and what does that mean for the company as a whole? Walmart did the opposite. They would pick one store and oftentimes one competitor and one product where they were winning or losing and they would break it down. They would have had one of the executives at that store that week because they were famous for being boots on the ground. And they have gathered all the information and they would analyze why in the world are we doing? So he told a story in his book um, about how they were winning at beach towels in Palm Beach against this other store that sold beach towels. And they analyzed and they figured out, okay, we're doing this and this and this. And they took that one little thing and then they made, they sent it out to every store that operated in a beach town in their whole. So they took a little detail and blew it up. And what they found was, was those little insights that move the needle the most for Walmart. Don't think big, think small. So that's the first thing. When it comes to your clients, don't think big, think small, and let those small things drive your decisions. The second one is how we think of, of product or our offering. I think most of the people um, that probably listen to this offer a service, but either way, it's your offer, right? It's, it's the thing that you sell. And typically, when we think about what we offer, we, we start to really like what we do, right? And we build our marketing and our advertising around why is my product different and why is it better and why do I have the most experience with it? And we start to, and maybe this is dramatic, but we start to fall in love with what we do and what we offer. You know, we're so good at this. Like I just, and we do it this way because this is the way my daddy did it. Or I went to a bunch of education on it. And so it's the best way. And we are just this, that, and the other. And the truth is we're thinking about that in reverse. And it seems obvious again, but you flip that around. And instead of thinking about how do we, sell our product? How do we sell our service? How do we sell our offer to what problem did that ideal client have? What actually mattered to them? What did they tell me? Why did they call me? What was it that bothered them the most that they were solving? What was it about the fence that needed to be refinished? What was it about their deck or their house that they didn't like that they felt like, why didn't they do it themselves? Why didn't they restain their deck themselves, right? Why, why did they call me? What did they need? And then work backwards. And it's like, how do I solve that problem best? And even better, even if the actual service doesn't change, the way we talk about it can change. The words that we use can change. And there's no words that are better than the words of the people who pay us. Our ideal clients actually have the words that we should be using, not the ones that we think are important. We get kind of trapped in our perspective instead of our client's perspective. And so the, the phrase to remember here is, you know, fall in love with the problem instead of the product. I like that. And I'm taking notes. So for all of you guys listening that aren't taking notes, be more like a, a note taker. So you can remember this. I stuff. never remember stuff if I don't take notes. You know, I, I love audiobooks, Caleb, and I get in the car and I'm always I've always got one play in. But if I don't read the book and have the highlighter and my, my journal out with it, I'm like, what was that thing that I heard today that was so good that like I wanted to stop the car? You know, I apologize for yawning. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Um, so this is 
you're you're like right over the target area for me right now because I'm I'm in the middle of a book that talks about this very thing except with one caveat, one different okay. perspective that I'll add to it. It it was that what you're saying I agree with totally, but it the the claim that this book makes is that once they've done business with you, they no longer remember why they did business with you because what they remember is is the doing of business with you. And so, for example, um, many times, let's just say you hire someone to do something. You hired them for a specific reason. Mm-hmm. And, and then maybe once you do business, you go, oh, but they were always on time and they did a really good job. The, the reason might have shifted, the perspective shift, But the perspective, and I need to go back and read this chapter in the book because I can't put my finger on what it recommended, was, was if you can, so for instance, if you can close business with someone, and then immediately before you provide the service, if you can provide a survey, then mm-hmm. it would tell you it would it would give you a, a little closer to home, a little more pinpoint data on why they chose you before the water is muddied by your excellent customer service or your excellent follow up. You know, you got to do all those things, too. But um, it's very interesting. It's got me wondering, how do you? You know, really, how do you take that survey? How do you take that data back in? But if we all knew the answer to that, it would make it a whole lot easier to close everyone, wouldn't it? It would make a big difference. You know, that's a that's a really interesting point of view um, that that changes. There's probably a couple of ways to, like, uh, think about that, that maybe we could kind of digest that. One, even if they only remember how they felt because of the process and the success, don't discount that information. Sure, sure. Uh, it could still be very valuable in closing them. Oh, absolutely. Um, I agree, hundred percent. So I think that there's that there's that angle of it. Then there's the second angle of it, and this goes down to getting good at messaging. And by messaging, I mean the words we use to communicate to our potential clients, right? In our marketing, what words do we use to to market with? is it takes a lot of work and there is no shortcut for getting feedback. So one, we have some options here. One, yes, we could ask them right then. And that would be the best thing you can do, whether they are coming in digitally or they are coming in over the phone or they are shaking your hand to say, Hey, what was it that, that, that made you made you set the appointment with me. I know there's other people that do what I do, right? You're going to get a valuable piece of insight. And I agree, ask then, because they're going to remember it best then, yeah. for sure. The other thing that you can do, and this is where the hard work comes in, and we can't short hard code. That's, that's one thing. Like, don't, don't read my book if you're looking for some, like, secret. Like, I'm going to tell you the five-minute plan that fixes everything. There is no five-minute plan, yeah, you know? This is an 18-month plan, I guess. There is no shortcut, though, right? There's just, you know, I read, I read recently that, uh, the idea of practicing excellence every day in everything, every time. And, uh, I think that we have to, we should apply that if we want the best results. So the other way to do this is to say, and if you're not doing any kind of content, you're not doing any kind of media, you're not doing anything on the front end with people. You're just saying, Hey, buy from me. You're missing out. So I'm just going to say that. So in the content and media that we use, that is an opportunity to test what ideas people respond to. 
right? And so even if that content doesn't link directly, so forget all the technology part of this, forget like, can we measure it from like, they watched this video because they went to this page. So they clicked, so they bought, forget that because it may or may not work. Not everything always connects, but if we put the content out there, right. And we know what we're talking about. So you have a plan. Like I'm going to talk about this and this and this, and I'm going to see how that works. And then when somebody comes back around, so we'll say we're putting out and I'm just being, I'm just giving an example. I'm not saying this, is what you should do. I'm going to put videos on YouTube out, right? And my videos on YouTube are going to talk about these three benefits, these three features of how we do business, of what we offer, the stain we put, you know, that we use, um, our, our process, how we respond to people, our pricing, whatever. We pick what that is, right? This is our focus. And then when they come back around and they go to put their information in online or they call on the phone, you're going to ask them, how did you hear about us? What was it that led you here? And they're going to say, well, you know, I've been watching your videos on YouTube and I just think they're awesome. So then you're going to know the stuff we were talking about on YouTube is moving the needle. Do more right? YouTube. <laughs> yeah. We need to do more of YouTube and not just the YouTube, but what was I talking about? What have we been talking about? What ideas have we been putting out there? Because those are the ones we need to double down on. So there is this, I, this and this is the thing, like we have to remember technology doesn't get it all right. So we have to put in the work to ask the questions and connect the dots because there's a good chance that from the YouTube video or the Instagram reel, there won't be a direct connection to the customer. The connections don't get broken. They're going to have watched four Instagram reels before they ever went to your website. And so you don't know. So you got to ask, you got to ask, well, what was it? What was it about the videos that, that, that you like? I'm just, I'm curious. You know, we love making them and we just want to make them better. And they're going to be like, well, I saw this one and you talked about how you did this process and it made me feel like you guys were going above and beyond. And then you're like, okay, this is the one we double down on. Now I'm going to, I'm going to push a little bit more funds behind it, a little bit more effort, whether it's more videos or more advertising or pick a lever, right? But you got to do the work. I like that, man. And, and here's here's something that that just kind of hit me. Two two points. Number one, why this is so important right now for the average contractor. In in the reason is because of the second. But the the so I'll start with the first one is many people need to know why and why and where people came from right now more than ever probably because a year ago, two years ago. Th two and a half years ago, how many of you, raise your hand if you're listening, if you got business because you answered the phone? Well, I called three other guys that do the same thing you do and none of them answered, you answered, so I guess we're gonna go with you. That's not the case anymore. Things have changed. The, the, um, the economy has shifted. I'm not gonna say that we're in a down economy. I think we're in more of a normal economy, economy now where people think about the money before they spend it. So I think now more than ever, it's probably very important to be gathering this information. So this book may be very timely in, in the sense of that. So you need to hurry up and get it out because I think, I think we're going to need it because people don't know the last three years. I mean, people, they don't know why they went with us because we answered the phone. Yeah. So, so that's important. And a second point I wanted to make, you, you talked about doing excellence in everything that you do. I think that's a daunt. Like, that's what I want to be for sure. No doubt. But I think yeah. that's very daunting for some people. And, um, I look at my granddad who, who, um, jogged every other day he, for 50 years, um, in his eighties and still out there getting after it. And, and 
a saying that comes to mind when I think about that is it's better to be consistently good than occasionally great. And so if, even if you don't do the greatest job in the world at gathering this data, if you just make darn sure you ask the question every time you can and write it down somewhere, you're going to know, well, the number one place we get customers is from X, Y, or Z. And I think that's a super important, man. It really helps when you have limited resources and you need to know where to put them, right? We can't be everywhere all the time. We don't, you know, the average business owner, the business owner that's doing 20 million or 50 million, they don't have, they can't be everywhere all the time. They still have to pick two because they got to hit bigger numbers. <clears throat> Their margins still have to work too. It's not, it's not different. They just have a bigger budget. And so when you're working with limited resources, you may have to say, all I have time for and all I have money for is to pick one thing to focus on. You better pick the right thing. Well, and that thing may not be digital. That it may thing, not. That thing may be, you know, you know, we get a lot of leads off Facebook and by the time it's all said and done, it costs us $300 per job to get a job off Facebook. But old Joe down here who builds fences, he refers me, um, you know, about half the time. Why don't I just go buy him breakfast a couple times a year? and get it to where he's referring me every single time. And that costs you a couple chicken biscuits instead of $300 a job. So, um, and, and a referral is much better than an ad, I think. So every um, time, yeah, so, so it's been, it's, out. it's, it's been said. And, uh, I think, I actually think I heard a Hormozy <clears throat> eloquently put this since you're familiar with what, what they said is there, you really have two choices. If you want to be in business and be successful over the long haul, you either can come up with a product that people buy over and over again, or you can have customers that sell for you over and over again. And that also goes with the people that you know in your in your network. I like that. That's very well said. I like that. So, a lot. you know, and I think that kind of the thought here is, OK, well, you've given me these things. All right. I know I need to work on really thinking about who do I want to do business with, who values doing business with me the most. Who do we create the most? Because that's the person you create success with. When you focus on who you do business with and you spend more time focusing on the clients that love and appreciate you, those are the ones that refer you. And every referral doubles your marketing, right? Doubles your marketing output. So it's like, you know, if it costs you a hundred, it costs you $300 to get a lead, but you get a lead that sends you one referral that costs you 150. They send you two. Now you're down to a hundred, right? So it's really powerful to focus that energy on people that value you the most not just anybody with a heartbeat and a checkbook yep. yep so i think you know kind of the the logical question here would be like okay how do i implement this in my marketing okay i know i need to work on getting this information i got to start with the with a foundation but how do i implement this and so clients content and community can be a little vague so we broke it down into five levers and i like levers because while there is benefit to doing them in order Many people do not do them in order and many people pull a combination of one of any of them or two of two different ones or three different ones or whatever. Very few people ever do all five. Very few companies ever, ever do that. That would be a lot of work, but there's, there's kind of five levers that I like to break it down into. Um, the first one is, is a great segue based on what you were just sharing. And it's, it's called, it's called the connector, right? And it's all about building your network, something that I think we all know we need to do and something that I think was a little bit more straightforward when we could just, you know, go to an event in town, we go to the fundraiser, we'd show up at the chamber event, and that was more than enough to get us in the know with everybody. Today, it's a little different. People don't always gather, 
in the same way as they used to. So we have to learn how to do this in a digital world as well as in real life. Yeah, that's true. And, and it, and it, I've had that thought before too, and all the same things that you do 30 years ago, 40 years ago to build a brand in a community, you're doing it on the internet. It's just different. It's a different place. It's a different marketplace, but it's still the same stuff. So food for thought, Brad, I think that this is a big enough bite to chew on right now. Okay. I, I know you have three <laughs> or four more pieces to it, but I think that right there, this is a show. I think maybe we do a couple more later, but this right here just, um, so why don't we work through a quick SOP? All right. What would, how would we build an SOP for asking these questions and getting this data in our company and then doing something about it once we get it? Where would you begin on that? And we're talking about kind of the foundational elements. I'm, I'm talking, that. I'm talking that we have Monday morning meeting with the team and we say, all right, from now on, um, because it's so important to know where our customers come from and why they do chose us uh, in the sea of, of other, you know, HVAC contractors, why did they choose us? So we're going to be the kind of company who starts to get, collect that data and then record that data and then focus on those channels. So how would, how would you roll that out to your team? Okay. So I would, I would start, I would start with the who I would always start, start with the who it's the heartbeat. Um, and I would start with past clients, the people that have already voted and said, I want to do business with them. And they were happy when they did business with you and they either returned or referred you. And so depending on if it's just like you and a crew, then you're going to need to pull out whatever software you use, print out your clients, your client list, and you can aggregate this different ways, right? Like, I don't know if you're noting in there who's giving you referrals, and I'm hoping that you have some of this information handy, or you just remember, you're like, you know, over the past couple of years, you know, Joe and Sam kept referring, they referred me like three or four times. So they're at the top of my list and work through and make that list. And maybe it's just who, who spent the most money with me, right? Make that list, start that. If you have, if your team is, and you got a salesperson on your team, then you just sit down with them and talk about it. If you have someone who's, you're actually in the office and you have someone going with the crews and dealing with the customers face-to-face -face and you aren't, you need to talk with them because their insights over what it was like to sell the job and what it was like to complete the job will be valuable in choosing. Choose your top 10. Sit down with whoever who has interacted with that, with those people, and talk about what happened and what you remembered about it. Why were those memorable? Why do I feel like those are my best clients? And then buy them all coffee over the next month. That's where I would start. That's the first piece. Buy them all coffee over the next month and have a conversation. Even if you're just letting them know how much you appreciate them as, as customers and start digging into these topics and come up with some interview questions. If it's a positive question, you can ask it about yourself. Why did you like this? What did we do best? If you want to get something negative out of them, talk about it in a general. What is it that contractors are staining contractors or this thing does that's annoyed you in the past? Like, what were you scared of when, when calling some, someone like me, you know, like what would have been the, the downsides that you've seen before? Cause they're not going to tell you negative stuff direct about you directly. Probably. They might, they might, that, but I would ask, I would almost, I mean, if you got a good enough relationship with them, you could say, Sam, what do you, what do we do that just aggravates you or gets under your skin or what can we improve yeah. on? I think, How I think those better? are the kind of people that will tell you that, that stuff. So have that list of questions and not a big one. You don't want to take like hours of their time, like 
five or six questions that kind of invite a conversation, right? Get that information, start there and organize that. So that's the beginning of the SOP. The next thing you need to do is build is build your SOP around how are we collecting information around how people get to us. So mm -hmm. if you are getting leads on your website, add a free form at the bottom of it, name, email, phone number, free form. How did you hear about us? Make it required. Don't put a multiple choice. Don't say, did you hear about us on social or did you hear about us on YouTube? Or Don't do that. Let them tell you. And so they'll just say, add or sign or, you know, I watched Caleb. I watched three of your podcasts and I just love hearing them, man. I, I see you around and that's just awesome. Let them tell you because you never know what nuance that you'll get out of that that's valuable. And if somebody was going to do business with you, I promise you they're happy to fill that in, right? Like no, no good lead was like, I have to tell them where I found them. Bump that, I'm going to another contractor, right? Like said, said no real customer ever. And then if you get a lot of phone calls, you need a spreadsheet. You need a place that you enter this and aggregate it. And like, I am not like, I don't know every software, but however you are doing, whatever CRM you use, whatever thing you use, you need to make a field where you're gathering all this information and you can look at it. And then I would say at a minimum, once a month, you're getting that information and you're sitting down and saying, what can I learn from this? What's the commonality? What is it that we're doing right? What is it I still don't understand? Right. And I, and I think that that, if you start there and you just use some simple common sense, you're going to get a lot of information. You're going to be like, oh, I need to be doing this. It's so obvious that this is what people like. They're responding to it. They tell me they like it. Either my customers told me. Or, or my people are telling me. I think that's a really good place to start. I like it. I think that's good tactical stuff you can do. Spreadsheet will work great. A jar of nickels there and three or four yeah. cups. You know, every yeah. time a Facebook call comes in, you put a nickel in the cup and oh, add amen. up. Amen. Doesn't matter. It can be simple. And so an SOP can be that simple that this is what we're going to do. But once you, once you decide on something, write it down and make that the process. And then as it gets better, have your team improve it. You know, Caleb, I really like, I appreciate you asking that question because that reminds me, maybe it would be a good idea if I were to put something out that we could give to people, like when we're doing an interview like this and it's like, Hey, here's a, here's a simple sheet that you can use to fill out. Here's a, here's some questions you can ask in an interview. You know, we keep all that stuff in all of our, our materials that well, we use internally, but to kind of put something together that people could just grab real quick and, and well, go a lot of, a lot of guys are listening to this and they're busy and they don't have a, a large expansive team. And so they're listening to this. And if we don't go into the tactical portion of it, then they walk away and they go, well, I watched, you know, I watched this speaker at this event and, and he talked the whole time, but he never gave me, he never told me what to do. It was like, I did a, um, I did a Howard Partridge, uh, big thing and read this book and it was the book was supposed to be all about systems and processes and I thought well this is going to help me systematize and processize my yeah. business yeah I read the whole book and when I got done I was like well where's the processes and where's the systems <laughs> I don't understand it didn't work and and that failed me for years and and so I think you know now when we want to make an SOP in our company I'll basically go all right you 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 come here we're making an SOP right now what's step one Right. And somebody writes it down. What do we do next? Write it down. What do we do after that? Write it down. All right. You make it look good and make it pretty and then let's get it out to everybody. And it's really that simple. Um, you know, as you get a bigger business, you'll have HR people and things, which we have now that can do those for you. But as you start it out, it's very basic and simple. Just write it down. Step one. Um, remember, you cannot take step two 
until you take step one. So that's right. Write this stuff down, record it, and and let us know where you're finding your stuff. And this is valuable information that you can share. I mean, if you've got a friend who has a staining business in Milwaukee, and you're in, uh, you know, you're in Southern Kentucky, you guys should share that data, compile that data, and say, hey, you know, this is working really well for us. You know, we're advertising at the local marina. Uh, you know, for 50 bucks a month and we're getting 10 lake jobs a month, you know, for boat dock standing or whatever it is, compile that data and have it. And then that way, when, when somebody does come with a new marketing plan or a new salesperson and they come with this great idea, you have some factual data to say, you know what, we tried that two years ago and here was, here was the results. You decide for yourself. So that's interesting. Man, I think we kill it right there, Brad. I think that is enough. I'm, I'm good go, with that to go do something with. So I yeah. really appreciate that because a lot of a lot of times you do podcasts and you walk away and you're like, I don't know what to do. I think yeah, we yeah. we just laid something out to do. So so that's awesome. I'm gonna just check for some comments. We do have a couple comments here, but probably the best one right here is from Crystal Jolin. Is this the wrong time of year to be thinking about starting a staining business? I started my staining business in December. So my answer to you would be, this is the perfect time to start a staining business because you can get a couple jobs under your belt before the season comes to close. And then you can spend all winter sharpening your axes and your, your in building shields and arrows and swords uh, to be ready for battle, you know, next year. So perfect time. If you want to start a staining business, let us know. So I'm going to throw a quick anecdote out there. I don't know if you know this, Caleb, but over half, more than half, of all the Fortune 500 companies were started in economic depressions. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Timing of when you start, start now. That's the best time, right? Like, you know, you don't need a perfect situation to get started. And sometimes starting, whether it's the time of year or what's going on in the world, it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. You get better faster. Yeah, I and I think that's that's exactly what I'm talking about when... I say all these people have been getting business because they answered the phone and all the people who didn't answer the phone were getting business some other way. And those things have changed. So I think if you start in a downtime, you understand what it means to dig for work. Cause it's, I mean, you and I both know the last few years, it's been just work just shows up at your doorstep and mm -hmm. it's magically there and it's at an extremely high margin and it, the customers aren't picky and they just want it done. Just do it and let us know when it's done. We'll mail you a mm -hmm. check. And, um, it's not, that's not the way business usually is. I mean, it's a, it's a little more detailed than that. So I think starting right now would be a good time to let you learn how to really, really do the work to make it go. And if you can make it through, if you can get it started, you know, in a time like now, and I don't want to call this a depression at all, but if you can get it going at a time where you have to work a little bit for it, it's going to make you so much stronger and better later on down the road. You know, what is it? The guy from UFC, Dana, or, uh, What's yes, the, the owner uh, of UFC, he says, anybody growing up today, if they're just a little bit savage, he said, they'll dominate everybody. He said, they'll <laughs> run right through everyone. So that's, that's the way I'm going to raise my kids, you know, so. Love it. Awesome, Love that. Man. Brad, well, when's the book coming out? It is coming out uh, in fourth quarter of this year. So in the next, in the next few weeks. Aren't, aren't we in? We are in fourth quarter, in fourth quarter and we've got. We've got about 80 more days left. So okay. how about uh, if, if you'd be so kind, as soon as we have an official launch date and a place uh, people can go and sign up for the book, maybe I can pass that to you and, and you can share that out yeah, there. Yeah, we'll share it. Um, question, are you self-publishing? Do you have a publisher? How are you doing that? I am self-publishing. I uh, 
if anybody has been down this, this rabbit hole, I found out uh, in my digging that in publishing, you give up too much over the creative and that wasn't going to work for me, nor did I want to do it on someone else's timeline. Sure. Cool. That's good to know. I'd, I'd like to do a book one day. Awesome, man. Brad, do you want to put out any contact information? Any way to get in touch with you? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love for people to connect with me. If you're not on LinkedIn, get on LinkedIn. That's uh, that's one of my drums I like to beat. So get on LinkedIn and connect with me there. Brad Williams uh, slash or dash. It's a, you call it a dash, the line dash uh, STG. I'm Brad Williams dash STG. I'd love to connect with you there. Um, that would be great. And STG stands for structured to grow. So I like that, that is correct. Awesome. Brad, thank you so much. And I, on behalf of everybody listening, thank you. I think we've got like 14,000 people watching right now. So that's awesome. That's the way to do it. Yeah, telling the truth in advance. So <laughs> there you go, man. All right. Thanks, Brad. I will kill it right here, guys. Thank you for watching.